You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's time to choose. To choose to live with us here on Mission Log Live. And tonight we are back to discuss more Star Trek Discovery. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Holly Avis. (laughs) And tonight we'll be discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 3, Choose to Live. Which is a nice callback to things that we've already seen not at, not just in the discovery series but in card obviously too yay tie-ins yay. uh get your questions and comments ready and give <laughs> us a call you know how to do it click on the zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 699-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password and you will see the green room the earl green room the earl green room and then he'll get us so sexy he'll and get you so on with green. us yes it's not really green in there, so, though. <laughs> it's uh, it's subspace, right? It's, it's kind of like a Stargate. You go in subspace there, subspace and you mood step lighting through, right? Yeah. So full disclosure, folks. The reason why that I was a little, you know, laughy. Holly was a little laughy at the very beginning because last time I was on, I completely like missed the the cold opening start. I was told to count down from like seven when we saw like the Roddenberry logo. So I was like literally like counting down. I, I was, but I was like doing like, you know, like in when you're in band, you're not supposed to like stamp your foot to keep the beat. That's why I was oh, a yeah. drummer because I was, you know, I was like literally stamping the bass pedal to keep the beat. So yeah, I'm here like counting down like loud. I was like, shh, I'm like, I can seven, six. <laughs> so here we are. You did fine. Right? You did fine. I'm sure everyone was now, super excited and replicate it, recently. replicate it every week from here on out. Every other week. I'm off every, the hook. Well, yeah, every, every other, other week. week. Every yeah. week that you're on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that you folks are entertained. We're here to entertain. Let's say hello to who's in the chat. So we'll say hi to Sam. Hello, Valeria. Nice to see Jalan True uh, to you. Uh, Chris Rakers here. John Arminio. Um, sexiest last name in the chat. Bob Amos. Well, maybe second sexiest name. Oh, in the chat. thank you. Uh, yes, we are Scottish. Hi, <laughs> ah, you are. <laughs> Um, let's see, Marilyn. Good to see you. Alan. What's up, buddy? Uh, thank you for choosing to live with us. Uh, we have one Paul. We have Captain Mike. Uh, let's see if we have another Paul here. Mike Northness. Oh, another Mike. Carlos. Good to see you, Evelyn and Brett. And we have Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Good to see you too. Thank you for joining us with all of the details of how to join Earl's chat. Nice to see you here as well. Uh, oh, Paul Harvath. Hello, Paul and Scott Palm. Uh, always nice to see everyone in the chat. So uh, back after Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, I hope everyone that celebrated Thanksgiving ate too much, drank too much, and uh, listened to all your backlogs of Mission Log. Did you? Did you all in chat? Did you, Holly? How was your Thanksgiving? Did I, did I listen to backlogs? Uh, I did not, but my uh, Thanksgiving was great. I had, you know, friends sort of, orphan friends here in Los Angeles, and it was delightful. How was yours? It was great. Uh, you know, I did pack a pair of sweatpants, so I did the um, obligatory watch uh, Thanksgiving Macy's Day Parade in sweatpants. Um, my mom did not let me go to uh, her country club in sweatpants, even though that they were fashionable and straight light. I, I was wearing jeggers. So, yeah, I thought that they were, and they were, they were black, formal-ish. Okay. They were comfortable. <laughs> but no. 
unfortunately, but I did wear them uh, afterwards in the aftermath, as most people do. So, oh I yeah, I mean, fair. aftermath of Thanksgiving sweatpants are uh, a necessity. I feel like. Did you threaten people with sweatpants at your party? Did you bring? Them I actually tweeted that I was going to wear that. I was like, I might just wear sweatpants, and I ended up wearing um, leggings, which is the like almost like a dress up, still elastic <laughs> to <laughs> not be uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> But I didn't, go the, I didn't go the full. I didn't go the full sweatpants route. <laughs> oh, it means you didn't eat that much, or did you eat that much? I mean, Are you a big I eater mean, on Thanksgiving? I am. I mean, I am, but I'm also a tiny person, so I feel like I okay, don't so eat as much as anybody else. Just naturally, I, I I'm weigh like 100 pounds, and I'm 410. Like I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, folks. So everyone, now you got uh, Holly's size for uh, if if you want to send her anything for for Christmas, and we're gonna get to Christmas presents. Halfway through the show. Yeah. If I remember to get that. Um, But just let everyone know what's coming up on Mission Log this week. Since we took a week off last week for Thanksgiving. This week, we're going to be getting back to it. Um, On Thursday, December 9th, we're dropping episode 429, Deep Space Nine's Till Death Do Us Part. We are in kind of like the the spiral of the final arc of Deep Space Nine. This is the one where Cisco's torn between following his heart or the will of the prophets, the one where Damar and Kanar are at a crossroads, and the one where Worf, well, you'll you'll hear all about Worf on the show whether you agree with us or not. Also, we have our weekly show returning. John and I have recorded a fresh batch of Engage, where you can hear John and I listen, uh, talk about and uh, comment on listener emails that have come in from either recent emails or emails from the past. I do believe that we got to one that was as far back as 2018. That far back. Okay. Like, Like Sherman Time Machine, that far back, right? Okay. And also we have, <laughs> we also have mission log podcasts for Star Trek prodigy that are also um, covering episodes one through five. And we also have mission log, the Orville. You can find all of those podcasts on YouTube, on the Roddenberry entertainment channel. Lots Yay. of mission log going on yeah. a, a plethora in Thanksgiving spirit, a cornucopia of mission log for all the pilgrims and Indians out there. Okay. I'm in that post Thanksgiving spirit. <laughs> are, are you? You're not in in holiday spirit yet. I mean, I already have my Christmas tree up. Uh, I we did get Christmas. the tree up. Yeah, I get my tree up later than most people. I feel like, but that's because I have Thanksgiving decorations that I feel like are owed their time in the sun. This is um. So this is my first Christmas here in Gainesville, Florida, and uh, my mother in law had uh, outside lights put up. Now this is something that like Carol bugged me. Like we lived in our house in California for like. 15 years and I never got Christmas tree lights up. I'm sorry, mea culpa. I just never did. But now we have Christmas lights up around the house. She's very excited. I'm off the hook. Christmas is coming shortly. And we're going to have a reminder of Christmas gifts for you later on in the show. That was my second self-reminder. Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Um, But here we go. We're going to talk about (laughs) Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 3, Choose to Live. And here is your recap. Upon entering planetary orbit to transport a much-needed shipment of dilithium crystals on behalf of the Federation, the USS Credence and its first officer, Patrick Fickett, are boarded and attacked by assassins who steal the dilithium shipment and murder Fickett in the process. This crime is captured by a security camera and is reviewed at Federation headquarters by President Rillick, Admiral Vance, President Tarina of Navarre, and Captain Michael Burnham. The assassin is Javini 
a nun of the Kawat Malat, who has also been linked to similar thefts. However, this was the first which resulted in the death of a Starfleet officer. All agree that Javini must be apprehended. President Rillick defers to Navarre's guidance in this matter. Gabrielle, Burnham's mother, arrives shortly after to represent the Kawat Malat in this joint mission to apprehend Javini. Later in the mess hall, Lieutenant Tilly joins Saru and confesses to him that she is struggling with defining her comfort zone. In his own comforting way, Saru advises her to find something meaningfully useful to do. Meanwhile, in engineering, Michael checks in on Book to see how he's coping, while Stamets informs her that he's almost certain that the dark matter anomaly, or DMA for short, is a primordial wormhole and is ready to share his findings with the Navarre Science Institute. Book wants to go with him just so that he can stay preoccupied and feel needed. However, Stamets is concerned for his emotional well-being. In sickbay, Great Hal's synthetic golem is ready for reintegration, a la the procedure done to Jean-Luc Picard over 900 years ago. However, when Guardian Z of the Trill arrives, he warns Gray, Adira, and Dr. Culber that there are no guarantees that this will work at all. However, Gray desperately wants to be whole again. Before heading out to track down Javini, Saru advises Michael to add Tilly to her away team. He believes that she would bring a unique diplomatic perspective to the mission. And with that, Burnham, captaining Book's ship, sets course for a barren moon. Michael wants to know why Javini is so important to Gabrielle, and she confesses that Javini is the one who nursed her back to health after she appeared broken and near death in this timeline. Upon finding Javini's hideout, Gabrielle persuades them to leave behind their phasers and take up their traditional swords of the Kawat Malat. Suddenly, Book's ship is boarded by assassins. They kill Gabrielle's fellow sister as Javini briefly appears, warning them to choose to live. Back on Discovery, Guardian Z tells Adira and Dr. Culber that the ritual was a success, but Adira is afraid because they can't feel Gray's presence anymore. Dr. Culber convinces them to be patient and to trust that, to trust that all will be fine. Inside the moon's cavernous chamber that Tilly discovered, thanks to the lithium tracker, it appears to be filled with life pods in an almost centuries-old mausoleum. Burnham finds one pod opened and its inhabitant dead. Gabrielle recognizes Javini's cloak covering the dead alien and realizes this is Javini's oath to protect these aliens from being desecrated. On Navarre, Stamis apprises the scientific council of his findings, and soon after, they retreat into deep meditation to analyze his theories. President Tarina observes that Book is in severe emotional distress and tries to reassure him that there was nothing he could do to save Quajon and that it wasn't his fault. Back in Javini's lair, the away team realizes that the moon is a ship that the dilithium is fueling. Upon finding the controls, which Tilly then sabotages, Burnham spots several glyphs on a wall illustrating the plight of these aliens who are forced to leave their homeworld in cryogenic stasis, hence the hundreds if not thousands of pods inside the cavern. Realizing this is why Javini is here to protect these aliens, Michael orders Tilly to deactivate the moon's engine, which also turns into the bait to force Javini to come out of hiding. After spending some time with Dr. Colbert playing darts, Adira returns to Gray's side and takes his hand after listening to the advice that Hugh gave them to be a light in the dark, to connect and to help guide Gray back to them if he cannot find his way. Shortly after Tilly disarms the moon's ship engines, Javini emerges from the shadows and easily subdues Gabrielle. With her blade on Gabrielle's throat, Javini orders Tilly to restart the engines. Burnham tries to reason with her and wants to know why she's chosen this alien race as her cause. She explains that while exploring this region of space, she felt a scared and desperate mind calling out. She discovered Taglonin, 
who was yeah. dying, and the rest of his species, the Hebronians, who were being harvested by hunters because of the high concentrations of latinum in their biomatter. Javini needed to steal dilithium on their behalf so that she could power and avoid the gravimetric anomalies that destroyed Quajon since the Bronians were still in stasis. Back on Navarre, after their meditations, the Science Institute believes that Stamets' theory about the primordial wormhole is inconclusive. However, President Tarina wants to explore one last option. She mind melds with Book to see if he observed any Cherenkov radiation at the time of Quajon's destruction. And even though Tarina was unable to find that evidence, she did help Book remember his very last memory of his nephew, Leto, who looked upon his uncle with love just before Book left to investigate the anomaly approaching Quajon. On the moon ship, Burnham manages to repair the cryosystems that prevented the Abronians from reviving and populating the nearby planet, which was the goal of their journey. With the Abronians no longer in danger, Javini's oath is complete. She surrenders to Gabrielle, who takes her into custody. Upon returning to Federation headquarters, Gabrielle clarifies to Tilly that the Kuatmalat phrase, choose to live, can be interpreted as one must be willing to look inside themselves with absolute candor. When they finally arrive, Javini is turned over to President Tarina with the approval of Admiral Vance. The Navarre are now in custody of Javini and will judge her as they see fit, which angers Michael. However, President Rillick assures her that those who died by Javini's hand will not have been in vain. When the Navarre rejoins the Federation, thanks to diplomatic missions such as the one Burnham just has just completed. In sickbay, Great Hal comes to life as Adira watches in amazement and disbelief. He said he felt whole and complete and heard what Adira said the whole time, and they helped him find his way back to them. Finally, Michael finds Book in bed, staring at a hollow projection of Quajon's forest on his ceiling. He tells her that he was given back a memory of Leto and has found some peace, at least in the remembrance of that moment. She replies, sometimes that's all we get. The end. That was long. That was long. <laughs> there was so much going on in this episode. I literally mm-hmm. like, like, like read through it and, and rewrote and edited. I'm like, how much of this can I cut out without just being all plot, 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 plot. Right. So not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it was a very dense episode. Well, I think one of the things that they did well with this episode was continued the larger storytelling, which is obviously this anomaly um, and Quajon being destroyed. But they've also tied in something that was essentially a self-contained storyline with these these aliens on this this moon ship ship. It's a ship. <laughs> ah, that's no moon. Um, that's the wrong yeah. franchise. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I appreciated that, that they were doing some self-contained uh, storytelling that that at this point doesn't seem like it would need to be serialized. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think, you know, Javina might come in later and maybe these aliens will come in later. But if this is all of the storytelling they were going to do about that, I would be fine with it because it was, was, this- it, was it was an interesting storyline. I don't remember. I, I don't really have the best memory for these details nowadays but is this the first time that they mentioned Noonien Singh and Picard's you know the the whole Picard golem and how they were going to use this to do great like in Discovery uh I mean it's the first time well not this episode was not the first mention of that okay um Colbert kind of mentioned not by name he said an admiral like 900 years ago he was referring to Picard and that was in yeah I think that was in the first episode um, okay. of the season. So uh, not the first time, but 
but is it like the first kind of tie-in like all the way back to Picard and, and what they did like I in mean, that series? I mean, ish, but so is like Navarre and the Kuat Malat. Like those are, that's all in Picard too, right? Because Picard oh, yeah. takes place right after Romulan is destroyed, which that was also what launches the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, so they're all going, they're bouncing back and forth a little bit with some of the, yeah, which I appreciate. Yeah. Like, I I love that they're that they're tying in the, they're they're tying them together with references. I mean, even Lower Decks was doing that, although not um, on such a serious level because it's a comedy and it's it's animated. But that show has references in it too that's tying the rest of the franchise together. But yeah, I feel like Navarre is 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 sort of the connector at this point in terms of Picard and. And discovery. Okay. So, uh, what else um, struck you, kind of like as important morals, meanings, messages, wise, or just kind of like just uh, tickled your fancy, your Star Trek fancy, if you will? Well, I mean, I think that the um, the continued conversation of of grief is um, interesting, but also sort of hitting close to home for me because I'm still going through a grieving process of having lost a close friend last year. Um, but one of one of the things that I no- noted this that I really appreciate in this episode, and it's something that I feel like Star Trek has done well in the past, is not just have like a bad guy or a villain for the sake of having a bad guy or a villain. Because I remember as a child watching like Disney stuff and there being like the evil queen. Okay, but why is she evil? Like there has to be a motivation. And Gabrielle basically saying, like, there has to be a reason why, you know, she was she killed this captain and why she was trying to steal the dilithium. Like, there has to be a reason why Javini was doing all of this. And I want there has to be a reason. I want to figure out what the reason is. So I appreciate that that instead of it just being like a baddie for the sake of storytelling, that they explored, like, the reason why. And we got to the bottom of it. It seemed like Javini was kind of like going through her own Kobayashi Maru. Like, what does she do? Does she not help the people that have cried out for help? Because that's what they do, right? That's what the Kuat Malat, they, they take that oath, they pledge their oath. Yeah. But now she's stuck with the oath being pledged and having to basically go through or fight her way through every hurdle and obstacle. She didn't want to kill that, you know, picket, thicket. Oh, and, I, and you know, I'm sure She wanted Gabrielle- to avoid all of that. I'm sure Gabrielle knew that too, which is why she was like, this yeah. is not, this doesn't fall in with, with the person that I know. So there has to be a reason why this is going on. We need to explore that. She's not killing because she's just a psychotic serial killer. Like there's, there's motivation that we're not understanding and not privy to. And right. like, that's, that's what happened. And it was like, she had to keep them a secret. That's why she didn't like just, I mean, even, Burnham is asking, like, why didn't, like, we would have given you the dilithium if you had asked. And she was like, but if I had asked, I would have had to divulge this species' existence. And I'm sure Starfleet would have been like, oh, we're interested in that. And then, you know, something terrible could have happened. Yes, their biomatter is made up of platinum. Tell me more. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So, but I mean, I I feel like off the radar too. Yeah, but I feel like from from all perspectives, like and for everybody in this episode, like it was an interesting political and moral conundrum for everybody, which which and in terms of storytelling, I'm like, oh, that's like I wouldn't know what I would do in that scenario. Well, let's uh, see what the callers have to say 
about it. So let's get up our first caller here. We have David. David, um, welcome. In a bit, uh, I'm not sure if we've talked before uh, on Mission Log Live, but nice to see you and uh, thanks for calling in. And uh, let's jump right thanks into for it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're representing with the disco shirt. Oh, so yeah. how did how did you feel about this episode? How did this uh, how did this episode speak to you? Uh, I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I agree. It's, it's, it was a really ex, uh, fun explore. Not fun. It was an interesting exploration of how different people can process grief differently. Uh, and it was it was basically like therapy. The episode, like you can either retract and protect from grief, you know, uh, like like you know, hide the aliens that you're grieving and don't let anyone possibly hurt them again, or you can reach out to somebody and they can help you process whatever's going on. And you can move through that grief. So uh, Book had that with the president uh, after he also opened up with Stamets. Uh, once the problem was brought to the attention of Michael Burnham and uh, Dr. Burnham, you know, she was able to move forward and let go of that grief. Uh, and then uh, Tilly's starting to grieve for whichever path she's feeling the end for. Uh, she's starting to feel that as well as honor it. Uh, and she couldn't do that without talking to Dr. Burnham, Dr. Burnham as well. So this was very much. Oh, and then uh, Adira and uh, Culber, you know, yeah. uh, and then Culber and Saru. This was <laughs> pretty much everybody yeah. going, uh, what are we doing? And then we're yeah. going, we got it. So I thought yeah, it's, uh, I, I, the concept of, of them still really trying to find their way um, and grieving everything that they're, I mean, because in terms of grief, that's why this is so heavy on grief, because there's so many different characters that are grieving differently and grieving different things. Um, well, they lost their whole life. Uh, the whole crew lost their whole lives a season ago. They all left everything behind. Right. And now that's, Booker that's is, a massive is grieving grief. the loss of his, his planet. And, you know, Tilly, I think, you know, being as lost as she is and not really like knowing what direction to go in or what her you know, goal should be like, what does she stand for? I think that obviously that's all very much related to her grief of having lost their lives and all they have is each uh, other now. There's, um, there's kind of like it's in, at least in, um, like fiction or something on TV or something that, you know, you see like in a serialized comedy or even in a drama, there are ways that people that are transitioning from kind of like one career to another or one pathway into another, they, they are kind of like trying to figure out like, what's next, like what's next for my life. You know, what do I do now? I just got let, you know, I just got laid off. What do I do now? And they'd start making these really random extreme decisions because they don't, they've never, maybe they've been institutionalized in a, in a certain way. And they're like, once that's gone, who am I? Like, how do I define myself? And I really like that the, the, the deeper analysis of the Kuat Malat phrase uh, being able to look inside oneself with absolute candor, looking at yourself like and and figuring out who you are, like, you know that's the probably the most difficult question after a lot of uh, of shedding a lot of emotion, a lot of grief. Like at the very end of it, who are you? Who who am I? What do I want? Right? Uh, book at the end, you know, he was holding on to his amulet because he returned to something that was important to him. This is who I am, or at least who I was, and this is how I returned myself back to Leto. Right, that shared moment—the moment that they savor, because it's sometimes it's a moment is all you get. So that's—I think that's—I um, never really saw this episode as being a, a study in grief, but the more that everyone talks about it, the more that makes sense to me, um, because there are so many different ways, so many different pairings about either 
providing um, some type of counseling for grief or working through grief in a very abstract way or dealing with it head on or seeing it from even a Vulcan standpoint, you know, from um, the logical, you know, from, like it wasn't your yeah. fault. Like, and, and if I can comment on that, I might get a little bit emotional. <laughs> um, book uh, getting sort of the closure through the uh, mind meld that he had mm-hmm. done and basically like being able to see like his last memory of Leto. And what he was concerned about is like, I never told Leto how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. Um, and obviously, you know, the child died before he should have died because he was still a child. Um, I, the fact that he got closure from that, mind meld i'm quite frankly a little bit jealous of because i you know having lost my a close friend of mine last year before his time um it was in the middle of the pandemic and uh he was in the hospital for a day and we couldn't go we couldn't go to the hospital we couldn't even go say goodbye to him and i never i don't i will never have closure on you know i will never have like a nice last conversation. Like I thought I'm never going to have that closure. So that whole scene where he's like, thank you for, you know, helping me see that. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I want that, but I'm never, I'm never going to get it. Anyways, that's my, uh, my comment on grief and what I'm going through and how I was connecting to those characters. Yeah. I think also like when, when we took a look at Adira holding Gray's hand, those are those are the moments. Those are those moments of silence or reflection or uh, being able to just focus on the here and now and the present of, of where you are as opposed to where you should be. Those are also moments of of transition. You know where you there there are so many outlets and uh, ways of being able to be distracted. You can either be distracted by your own emotions, you can be distracted by out, outside influences, you can be distracted by everything. But when you really take the time to focus on the very moment that you're supposed to be in, that's probably one of the greatest things you can either do for yourself or for somebody else that needs you to be there. And that's why I love seeing Culber in those moments in this episode, because he takes the time to be at, and Saru. They're both at the yeah. right place at the right time for the right moments and focus on those moments, even if briefly, but with their fullest attention. And I think that's a, it's very important for those characters to interact with them at that time. You know, you need people in your lives like that, or you have to be someone in somebody else's life like that, you know, even for a moment, because sometimes that's all we get, like Michael Burnham says. Um, we have a couple more callers lined up here, uh, David. So if there's anything else you'd like to talk about before we uh, just over. just uh, real quick, we also got our usual uh, lower decks predicts everything. So yeah. we got a mother-daughter team working to save a failed cryo ship full of insectoid aliens. Uh, Fair. We got uh, <laughs> Hendy was the one pushing Rutherford to get out of his comfort zone and go work on Billups's mom's ship. So yeah. uh, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. And then uh, Mariner took Boimler off the dangerous mission. Saru put Tilly on the dangerous, on the dangerous mission. mission, in which literally uh, she could have died. Like. Yeah. Not trained for this. Burnham even makes a comment. No, no, take her anyway. <laughs> of her skills, that's oh. kind of at the bottom. <laughs> well, okay, so. so I'll bring it up. I'll bring it. I didn't want to bring it up, but we're talking about it. <laughs> Norman's going to go on a tangent. Uh, I'm going to keep you on the hook for a couple more minutes, David. So my no biggest gripe, my biggest personal gripe, and it has nothing to do with the storytelling. It's just my personal gripe. So 
uh, as, as a trained European sword fighter, I've, I've trained and I've done training. And the worst possible thing you could do to somebody is throw them a weapon and say, your life depends on it. Now go. Especially when you have to fight against highly trained assassins who know how to use that weapon a billion different ways to kill you in a tin can. Why they give up their phasers is just ridiculous to me. I'm going to say it. That was just bad. It was like, you know what? Stick a phaser in your boot. Put it on a chair somewhere. Do what you know. Um, you know, do what Laris did in Picard and tape it underneath Norman your wants, desk. Do something. <laughs> Norman I, I wants was, her to have a little cricket. Oh, I want a cricket phaser. Where's mine? Uh, I was. Oh yeah. I, was I mean, so I see you have a phaser a rifle of, uh, behind you. Cricket. Oh yeah. Uh, they're they're around. Uh, it drove. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just one place. of those things that like drives me nuts. I'm like, uh, just don't do it. No, don't put somebody in. And like like you said, Dave. Like Tilly was like low on the combat training totem pole. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now give her a sword. That's a good. I mean, they, <laughs> they didn't know that that was going to be a thing until they were on the ship and already there. And Gabrielle was like, "You're not taking phasers." And and Michael was like, "Uh, yes, we are." And she was like, "No, because like diplomacy." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." I was, I was, well, I was kind yeah, of. Yeah, but then those people for, uh, beamed in. I'm like, "Diplomacy be damned!" I'd be going for my phaser in a heartbeat. It's like these people just beamed into our ship. What's up with that? I'm just like, I don't know. It just that that kind of stuff drives me a little bonkers. But that's just me. I just, I just got a little bonkers. My caffeine just kicked in. So sorry, people. You're just going to have to deal with me this way for the rest of the night. Uh, thanks, Dave. Sorry to, t- sorry to bite your ear off with oh, that, but it's not how, your fault. How dare we you chat. just brought it up. <laughs> uh, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Nice, nice yep. phaser rifle. Call Thank in you. next Thank time. We'll talk to you later. Oh, Will that's do. very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are we going to talk Holly, about I do Christmas? Remember. We are. We're going to talk Yay! about mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Holly, you had a great idea. We're going to, have to be talking about stocking stuffers. It's the season. Right? And it's what season. better stocking stuffers to stuff in your stockings than socks? Because we love <laughs> socks. And we love Yay. these socks because these socks come from cufflinks.com. So you can be Ew. one of the crew of Starfleet with the gift set of socks included in the socks are the delta shields in red as you see here ah. right yeah. and yellow which you just saw and blue i can't believe my camera's picking these up this is amazing one a lifetime experience this is the perfect gift for a diehard trekkie officially licensed by cbs studios the set includes these three pairs of socks and it comes in gift packaging one size fits most up to a men's size 12 and you got to love cufflinks.com. They're a small family-run company that loves classic men's accessories, but I'm sure that everyone can wear these because they're, they're very nice. They're large. And uh, they, they have the, way, the, uh, the best way that you can express your own Star Trek individuality. Use code BESTGIFTS, B-E-S-T-G-I-F-T-S, to get 15% off site-wide. And if you spend over 100 bucks, you will also get free three-day shipping Orders will ship the same day or the next business day. Go visit cufflinks.com and get yourself some socks or get yourself some socks for that special Star Trek fan in your life. Roll them up, stick them in the stocking. You'll be good to go. Yay. So, I got it mine. Is a Star Trek I wouldn't stocking. mind another. That. Wouldn't it be awesome if the stockings looked like this? Then you stick these in, in the stockings. I mean, there are Star right? Trek stockings. Double Delta. They, they exist. 
<laughs> Double down on your deltas. That's yes. all I got to say. All right. Yes. All right. So enough of that fun, because that's way more fun than anyone should be allowed to have. We're going to get up to our next call. And we have Valeria. Valeria. Hi. Welcome back to Mission Log. Good to see you. Still on true. <laughs> Still on true. <laughs> uh, so um, first thing I want to bring up, just very quickly, the thing with book was very, very cool. Um <laughs> So my mom is a therapist. And so like something that I've heard her talking about is that like one of the big theories around how trauma lives in our bodies right now is that it's reactions that we aren't able to finish doing in the moment. And so a lot of the ways that therapy is going with things is finding ways to be able to take us back to that moment and complete the reaction. Hmm. That makes sense. And, and that was something that book got to do with the meld. Right. Go back to that moment and then run it through to its, con- to its actual conclusion that he didn't get the first time around. And oh, I just thought that was really cool to see that in practice. Oh, it must be interesting to be watching it with, with your mother then. Is she wa- <laughs> she's watching it with you? No, no. Um, but you've just made that connection because she talks about that type of thing? Yeah, she, she talks about that. It's something that I've talked about with my own therapist when I've been in therapy. Um, so yeah, like it's just like, oh, hey, connecting that dot. Um, <laughs> That I did just you, thought it was really cool to see that in action. Did you feel that way about any of the other characters that are kind of like working through their own processes in this episode? So like Tilly, like, cause Tilly's working through a lot of, she, she seems lost and she's trying to find her way back to somewhere. Yeah. I, I feel like we're still like very early stages of what she's dealing with to really get a clear sense of how they're exploring that. I hope. I mean, because they they started they started a very interesting storyline with Detmer in season three with their PTSD, and they never really followed through with that from a character arc standpoint. Mm-hmm. I do hope that they follow through with it in terms of Tilly's character, maybe because she's you know a little bit more of a premier character in this in the show. But I don't want this storyline to you know to fall off. So lack of follow through is the other big thing that I want to talk about. <laughs> and okay. there's, there's been quite a, I mean, they're, they're, they're having like a, like a 50, 50 on being able to follow through versus like just completely forgetting about storylines that they've introduced. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay. This is a thing where talking to a bunch of other trans fans of star trek there was a lot of initial pushback to how we were introduced to adira and gray and it just being here are our first intentional explicitly trans characters played by trans actors in the franchise and we're gonna start with death and pain and trauma. Hmm. Yeah. And 
that hurts a lot. But I've been one of the people pushing back on that just slightly saying, okay, this is a, this is setting up a really interesting Prill story with the situation that we have with Gray and Adira and Adira still being able to perceive Gray in this way that Trill normally aren't able to perceive previous hosts. And so I was like, there's expansions on rejoined in this. Yep. This could be a really cool Trill space to explore. If they explore this, they might be able to justify it. Well, I think that they're already doing a little bit better job than Rejoined because Rejoined was sort of a a skirt around to get past at the time was still, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the... they were still a little bit trepidatious about going into those storylines. So the trill gave them a, a, an excuse sort of. Oh Um, yeah. No. And, and I am only very tangentially connecting this to rejoined, but where they were already in a relationship. And then we have this, um, they're in a relationship. Gray dies. Adira becomes the new host. And then Gray is still around somehow. How does that play into the reassociation taboo? Um, how do we deal with this weird connection? And we haven't explored that at all. And instead, we're just jumping straight to, okay, yeah, no, let's, <laughs> let's just completely remove Gray and maybe they take us to an alternate timeline of facets and explore, you know, what would have the implications for Dax been if Curzon had stayed with Odo? Yes. No, right. Maybe that, maybe <laughs> they explore that. But they haven't given me a lot of confidence that they're actually willing to take the time away from these galaxy threatening arcs to explore these concepts that it's like, do you feel that there's a, are are you frustrated that they're, they're going in the right direction, but just won't continue with any development? It's where, where the frustration is, is, Maybe starting this all with trans pain and trans trauma might have been worth it if we were going to explore the ideas that it sets up. But if they're just going to do the thing that they so often do of setting up an idea and then closing it to where no future writer can come back to the situation that they've set up. Mm-hmm. And just refusing to explore it before closing it. Because you're not wanting it to be wrapped up in a pretty bow and for them never to be able to refer to it or expand upon it ever again. Right. It's like, if we're not going to explore the space that this creates, why are we inflicting this pain in the first place? Sure. Because... 
and like that that's a thing in general but like as a trans trekkie with a bunch of trans trekkie friends the adira and gray situation is especially frustrating frustrating and are you all frustrated because sam is in the chat and says that um their trans non-binary adira and gray story is beautiful and so relatable to me and many many others so i i feel like there's a little bit of a of a split in that in that sense that yeah um so so a lot of the frustration around it is that is the introduction through the trauma and pain that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the frustration that I've seen okay, is. Okay, just the introduction itself. Yeah, just the introduction itself. Like, they've had a great story. It's just like, why did you have to go the trauma and pain route to introduce it if you're yeah. not even going to explore the space that the it trauma almost, and pain opens up? Right. It almost seems that a lot, in these decisions, they, they need to, they're, they're using very heavy-handed dramatic choices to try and introduce, um, you know, maybe a, a conflict or an emotional or reach an emotional state that doesn't necessarily have to be there to introduce certain characters, you know, right. they could have easily introduced Gray and Adira in a more lighthearted or I should say less devastating way. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. they literally could have just not had Gray be dead. Yeah. I don't feel um, like that's the way Discovery goes, though. So just <sighs> death is everywhere in Discovery. <laughs> and that's one of my personal frustrations with Discovery. <laughs> because it's dramatic storytelling. That's what they want. Well, it, you know what? I think it's fair to say, though, that it, even even if it is, if they don't explore ideas and they lead the audience down certain paths where audience expectations rise and say, you know right. what, I really wish that they followed through with characters that we care about and don't and say, go into two episodes of a mirror universe arc that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah I'll say it. Uh, then I think that they waste certain, they, they waste valuable time setting up expectations that, that are, are never met or even close to being met by the audience that they are trying to be uh, responsible for, emotionally responsible for. Um, but I guess we're just going to have to see if that yeah. pans out. And I, I hope, hope it does. Yeah. Of, I hope for the sake of the community that, that, that they tell this story in a way that you guys feel a little bit of justice in your representation. Mm-hmm. I mean, so fingers crossed for you guys. I'm, I'm rooting for there to be like a good storyline that you that you're all happy with. And I agree. I, yeah. I agree with with what you're saying. I want to see a good story arc coming from this, uh, and I think it would be irresponsible for the writers not to do so. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just think that if you and because I think that it's it's uh, it's interesting what they're doing with Adira and Gray, and if they're not going to do anything substantial with it, then. I think it will be a really huge, hugely lost opportunity on so many levels. Um, and uh, right up, appreciate <laughs> right up there with knocking Osira and Rin off before we could explore any of the cool stuff that could have come with them. I know right. Rin was such a good character. I was so bummed. Just okay. The, the, he's toast. Bye. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for your perspective. I appreciate yeah. it. We appreciate it. Thanks, Valeria. It's nice to see you, and um, nice to see you too. To, and we'll, we'll, we, I'm sure we'll hear from yeah. you uh, in the next call if uh, you know if 
the story goes one way or the other. Hopefully it doesn't go awry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know me. I'm calling in bedtime allowing. <laughs> All right. It was nice to <laughs> see you. you. Take care. Thanks for nice calling in. Nice to see in. you, too. Appreciate it. Um, okay, Master Jokester, Alan Simonis, what you got for us? From the lower oh. decks. <laughs> From the LDS. Oh, boy. Yes. Yeah, let's... Let's 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 change paths. Uh, let's do a one eighty. But I I was just fascinating, just listening into your conversation there. That was really really good. I, I appreciate getting getting sort of like uh, a bird's eye view of 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 that of that unfolding. And yeah, I I, I just want to echo that I that I hope that it's that it turns out to be something that that's meaningful and and uh, interesting and uh impactful for this you know underrepresented underrepresented uh segment of uh our fandom because you know you know i i I feel pretty secure in feeling that that my story has been told and (laughs) you know maybe it's time for for other people to to get it uh you know a chance at the free throw line for for a couple of shots. Oh, you sports but, baller. How dare you bring <laughs> sports balling details into my show? Oh yeah. Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> I appreciate we, it as a former varsity basketball player. I there you go. Really? Sports and, ball reference. That's, basketball that's, at four ten. I'm not Yeah, judging. I was going to say, I, I don't want to, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but point, point guard? guard, I was a point, point guard. guard. Uh, I shot three pointers from the outside and I basically liked to do anything that someone told me that I couldn't because of my height. Triple doubles, Absolutely. triple doubles <laughs> yeah. on Holly stats, right? Boom. Uh. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Um, I wanted to uh, circle back around to something you guys were, were discussing kind of more at the top of the show. And I just, I, I really liked uh, Javini as a character this week, um, specifically as a villain, like you guys were, were talking about. And there's a phrase that gets thrown out a lot that I don't necessarily always agree with, but I think really does work in this case. And that you know, and that's that the villain is the hero of their own story, um, because I think you know, in a lot of cases, it's been used to sort of, you know. It, it's been sort of misidentified as sort of like this this idea that the audience has to not only understand but also uh, agree. With you don't necessarily have to agree with it, exactly. but yeah, there has to be. And again, I, I I always go back to Disney because the early yeah. Disney Disney films, it was like you know the evil queen, but why is she evil? You know, Corella Deville. We, I mean, it was and and you know most of the Maleficent, most of the uh, yeah. the the storylines that they're telling now about these villains, like we're learning their backstory and why they are the way they are and what their motivation is. And at that point, I don't feel like they're villains anymore. I feel like yeah. they're antagonists, like. Khan Noonien Singh, great representation of of a quote unquote villain, but you sort of you're sort of like actually Kirk was kind of a, not great to him. Like he has a reason to be upset. I think I've said that on the show before. A little bit. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, he yeah he he does see himself as the hero of his story, as does Javini. Uh, thinks of herself as you know this warrior battling, uh, you know, for this lost cause. 
And the great thing is, is that, you know, we understand her motivation. We don't necessarily have to agree with it. We just have to know that we have to know what she wants to do, know that she has a plan and know that she has the ability to carry it out. And she, you know, just um, they knocked it out of the park this week on all three levels. I think that's, you know, that's the thing. And as far as the, you know, the, the typical Disney villain, the, yeah, the, the thing that makes them fun is not necessarily that they are relatable people. In fact, it's, you know, the opposite, that they are these sort of like weird, unknowable, you know, caricatures of evil that sort of like drop in. And, you know, and yeah, when they when they take someone who's defining characteristic as wants to kill puppies and <laughs> tries to layer in this sort of backstory and it's like, well, no, here's the other side. That is sort of like, and you know, making them into a, at worst an anti-hero. I mean, and, I'm still waiting on yeah. that. I watched, I watched Corella Deville or what the, you know, the, the backstory with, yeah. with I can't even remember Emma and Emma Stone. Mm. Um, I watched that and was like, I still am not clear on why she wants to skin puppies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they've gotten to that. I've heard that there's going to be a second one and maybe we'll get into it. I'm like, but how are they going to explain that and have it be like, not necessarily relatable, but like understandable. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, I, I think they're already like, oh, that's not really what happened. You know, you know, that's just what people want you to think about her. But really, it's this other thing that's, you know, I don't know. Well, that's why Gabrielle <laughs> said reasons matter. You have to understand. Yes. The reasons. And that's like that's what started this whole thing is the reasons matter. Exactly. And I was like, yes, I want to know what her motivation is. I don't want her to be a villain for the sake of being a villain. I want to know. But they why. can still be a villain, even if like you just. The the title of villain is usually you know it's it's the narrative you know it's the narrative process of being just giving somebody the you know being more than being just the antagonist but when you when you see the reasons behind it you can make the assumption for or you can make the the validation for yourself whether or not this person is truly a villain based on you know morality based on law you know based on you know all these different factors they can still be a villain in the end but at least you know who they are. You know, as as opposed to you're right, the evil queen, the evil yeah. king. You know, the you know the the power that be that's supposed to you know you know provide the drama for the for the story just because a hero needs you know uh, something to thwart. Um, but it's 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 far more interesting when you're dealing with shades of gray, right? Because they're one of the best things. Uh, well, J. Michael Straczynski pretty much writes all the best things that I like. Uh, he said that. The truth is a, you know, the truth is a three-edged sword, your version, their version, and the actual truth, you know, so you're only going to see two sides of a three-sided perception, and that third perception oh, yeah. is, it's, uh, it's unknowable because you'll always only be one or the other side, you know, so that's, that's what, you know, adds for great drama, and, you know, if, if the Javini was just this, you know, uh, just an evil in the universe, she would have been boring. You know, but uh, at the end, you know, we're like, yeah, she's also fighting she capitalism. Saved an entire species. <laughs> she was also fighting capitalism because <laughs> I love the fact that they're not just a species that she's that she's defending. They're a species that they're going to skin because their skin makes money. Yeah. Right. And lots of it. So you got to take that. Right. Um, if you was Cruella, have... it was Cruella this whole time. C- Cruella Javini. Is that what you're <laughs> yeah. saying? No, whoever was. Uh... 
Any whoever man. was uh, I, I, uh, d- d- going after uh, the Abrodians. Yeah, don't you want to go out on a limb and say it was probably a Ferengi? I'm saying Ferengi. Am I wrong? Just, you know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, dude, well, I mean, it's it's entirely possible. I mean, They're, they still exist. We've are, yep. I, we've seen one. We, we've, we've seen, seen proof. One. Yeah. They've they've so. they've got a little bit more ridge on their ears, but they're still around. Mm-hmm. Um, all the better, all the better to hear you with. We have one. We have about time for to get to yeah. our one last caller. So Alan, we're gonna have to let you go here. No worries. Uh, and, yeah, it's been uh, fun, and uh, we'll see what next week has in store for us. All right, buddy. Um, we'll talk to you later. Peace right. out. Bye. Bye. And uh, wrapping up this mission log live, uh, we have Kim. Hi, Kim. First time Colin, or have we just uh, not talked she, before? The Colin last week from Starfleet Command. Oh, yes. And I'm still from Starfleet Command. I see that. Oh. Yeah. And so, Norman, uh, first time talking to you. Okay. Um, second time. John, many times before. But. Uh, well, I'm honored. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Know. Yeah. So I figured I was late getting in, and, and I forgive if I cover some bases that was uh covered early in her show because i came in late a little bit tonight but uh tonight's episode this last episode of discovery the one thing i found that was a little um weird was the way that they left the so so you've got the Mamalot with the alien species, and yet they just kind of left them, right? The species that was going down to the planet? The no. Aronians. Yeah, on on the moon, the moon the, ship. The moon ship, and the, the, the planet that they're around, they, that's supposed to be the, like their new home. So they're, they're going down to the planet. That's where they're going to live. Right. Well, I... I, I'm, I didn't quite get that, but um, yeah, there was a very brief scene because you know, it's almost missable where uh, they're Michael taken off in book ship, and then they see like a bunch of ships and a bunch of like floating energy dots, kind of like head towards the planet. Yeah, and there's right? a conversation earlier in the episode yeah. where they're they're talking about when they're trying to figure everything out when they find out that they're not in fact dead. This isn't a graveyard; they're in stasis. And yeah. it was because the glyphs showed that they had to leave their home world, that they were in stasis to find a new home world. They're um, in this ship and they're circling, you know, they're they're around this planet that that's supposed to be their new home. But they couldn't wake up because something was wrong with the system, which Michael finds out pretty quickly what was wrong, which that was a little bit questionable to me. I was like, why didn't anybody else figure that out? Is she a science then, officer at one point yeah. in time? Well, she, she was. <laughs> yeah. But they're going down to the planet that that they were meant to live on. That's their yeah, eventually, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So so I need to watch it again because I think I missed that because I'm sitting here kind of going, wait a minute. Okay, they found out what was going on, but yet they just left. So okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they, it, I it, mean, they were leaving to basically give them what they wanted, which was to live. By themselves on, the on a on a in a new home, yeah. But I mean, obviously, they're spacefaring. Um, I, I would assume because they had to travel in stasis that they maybe have not 
discovered warp drive yet. And that's why, like, very obviously we, like, had no interaction with that species. Um, I mean, obviously they probably know that there's other species out there because there was, you know, the, the telepathic connection uh, with Giovanni. But I, I, I would say that probably protocols come in here and they're probably not they're probably not advanced enough to be doing warp drive, which means that we can't really interact with them. We can't first contact with them. Or, I mean, maybe we can, and we can just break the rules like always. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. So, you know, there was that huge amount of emotional baggage going on in this episode too. I I actually thought that they were uh, kind of, pretty much compressing it and throwing it all in to trying to get it done, you know? Well, I think, uh, uh, I think we sort of feel like all of the episodes have been pretty jam packed in the storytelling because, you know, I feel like, again, the writers at the beginning of putting this season together had a lot that they wanted to go over, but they only have 10 episodes, but there's all of these like minor storylines. And, and this was like sort of a self-contained storyline, but they still have to tell the rest of the story. Like, it's it's all of the episodes so far. All three of them have been very jam packed with with emotional and stel- emotional storytelling. I tell you what, you never really lines. like you never really feel it until you have to write the synopsis for it. <laughs> Honestly, it's so hard to write uh, a review, like a recap, a short recap, or at least a reasonably short recap when there's so much like a plot that's driving like the entire episode. So many cutbacks, so many back and forth, so many short conversations, longer conversations, um, not even really like big action pieces, you know, that chew up a lot of scenery, you know, like, uh, you know, a big 25 minute battle, you know, it's like, you know, ships exploded and stuff. Okay. But when that does happen, people complain about that. Oh, it's just pew pew star Wars. So like, I feel like well, that's not, guys, but that's not what somebody- I, that's not, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, sa- about what I'm saying is that it's easy to it's easy to write that in a synopsis. You know, it's, oh it's, yeah. yeah, there's a big battle sequence. Cool, exactly. You know, um, <laughs> it's, you know, ships explode and then they do this, as opposed to these who are having a conversation. These who are having a conversation, they go on the ship, right. they go on this ship, they go to the planet, they go to this planet, they go back to that planet. You know, and then back to this and back to that. So, reading that that way, writing it that way, you can tell that the writers are trying to pack in. A lot. And there's there's one thing to be said about, you know, dense pacing in a story, but there's nothing to be said about not letting enough moments breathe. And I don't think that discovery gives enough time for specific moments to breathe. Um, not as much as I think that they they need to. So, well, I mean, I mean, clearly not seeing as, you know, people are missing major parts of the storyline like, you know, Kim missing. That's their new homeworld. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it was there. But again, it's just one of those things where it, it can easily like you if you went to go get something to eat, you know, or just, you know, went up to go pick up your phone or put it down. You may have just missed that entire scene right. because it's so quick. Uh, Carlos um, is saying is asking um, in chat, um, is the storyline self-contained? Uh, will we never see these people again? We we discussed this briefly earlier. We don't know. We don't know. But know. my point was, is if this was a self-contained storyline. I'd be fine with it. And it could be, but you know, we hopefully we'll, we'll see some of these threads, you know, maybe pick up or pay off. Uh, it's hard to say like in what, how many more episodes? Nine less than 
are we at? 10 or are they doing 10 episodes? This? I didn't even look 10, 10 or 13. Um, I think we might have seven episodes left. <laughs> I didn't even exactly look up how sure. many. I mean, they kept changing it. It went from like 13 to 15 one season or something like I didn't even look. I think uh, we're at 10 though. Can we have about time for about one more question from you? <laughs> so if there's anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up, now's your time. It, well, no. Hey, keep up the good work. Glad you guys are here. Um, glad, glad I to be here. In. You know, it's been a while since I've been able to check in on a regular basis. So good job. Two weeks right, in well, a row. Yay. Well, thanks, Kim. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you calling in from Starfleet command back in back in san francisco yes the old starfleet command uh well that's pretty much it holly that was a a jam-packed episode for a jam-packed episode yeah yeah i'm gonna give you uh just a minute or two here just to see if you wanted to talk about any other points from this episode that you weren't able to get into before i mean i we went through all of my notes and mostly other people were bringing it up so that was lucky for me you know i we did (laughs) um Kind of like I, I do love uh, hearing all the points about uh, how this episode um, did focus on grief, even though that didn't strike me at first. But I can completely see why that that is the case. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how like all of these different threads and plot lines pay off for you know members of the audience because there are so many different ways and and and, and means of representation in this episode in this series that can pay off. If the writers, you know, uh, allow those storylines to pay off, um, I'm very interested in seeing where Adira and Gray end up in this whole equation. Because something that's always bugged me about Star Trek in general is that I, I just never feel like they they give the full attention to troll culture as they need to. I only feel that we only get bits and pieces of it, but we never see the full picture and like the goalposts keep moving with it. So maybe that's just my perspective on trill culture or the way that they've handled the trill in Star Trek so far. Um, But we'll see, I guess. Um, All right. So thanks everyone for joining us. I appreciate you all being here. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live is provided by the host of The Green Room, Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to Holly for uh, being such a wonderful co-host again for Mission Log Live. Glad to have her here. And thanks to everyone who joined us live or who will join us later. Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.